there, there was a family. They had come poolside to meet one of the dolphins. And the dolphin that I had at the time, his name was Brady. I said, today you're going to be meeting Brady. And the mom looked across the pool at the dad and said, Brady. Her son was like, oh, Brady was the name of my brother that was born sleeping. And I asked Brady Dolphin to just slide up on the wall. And I let this family just love on Brady for the entire duration of the time we were in session. Hi, I'm Cindy Simmons, and this is See the World with Cindy Simmons. The whole goal of this podcast is to take you on an eye-opening journey and explore everything that SeaWorld has to offer. I cannot wait to dive in today as this is an episode you will definitely want to listen to. I sound like my husband with dad jokes. See what I did there? (laughs) Crack myself up. We will be speaking today with Allison Helms and I'm really excited about this episode because she is an animal care specialist at SeaWorld and she works with dolphins. So you're going to learn all about the unique care SeaWorld provides with these incredible and amazing and beautiful. And can I say any more? So let's dive in. Hey, Allison. Hey, Cindy. How are you? Allison, you don't even understand my level of excitement. Since I was a little girl, all I wanted to be was a dolphin trainer. Clearly, that did not work out for me. So the next best thing (laughs) is getting to talk to you. (laughs) Well, I'm honored to be here. And I'm excited to um, share with the world my really awesome job. Well, I am excited to hear about it because when I when I say that that is what I wanted to do when I was little, like I thought if I ever got a tattoo someday, I would like a tattoo <laughs> of a dolphin. <laughs> that didn't work out either. But Allison, I, I want to first kind of get started by how, like your history, like how did you get from point A to point B being a massive, awesome dolphin friend? <laughs> I think my start was a little unconventional compared to that of every other 90s child that wanted to be a dolphin (laughs) trainer. Um, I went through a lot of different phases. Dolphin trainer definitely was one of them at some point, but so was architect and astronaut. And (laughs) I had a very vivid imagination as a child. So I think it took me a little bit longer to come back to animal training. Um, And that really stuck out to me my freshman year of college, actually. Um, My dad and I had gotten scuba certified when I was 15. I had been on the swim team. Um, So my love for water and my affinity for the ocean um, started young, but didn't really culminate as a career option until college. Um, I really became more interested in the way animals think, communicate, process information, and how we fit into that really complex world. And when I was a freshman, I took a psychology course and became fascinated with the way humans learn and humans think and process information and kind of reverted back to my 90s child self and was like, wait a second, like I can do this and get paid to train animals. That's that's what I want. So it was really then that I focused my energy and kind of made my way back to dolphins in particular or marine mammals. And took an ethology course, which is the study of animal behavior when I was a senior in college. And then after I graduated in 2009, I started an internship with marine mammals. So it was dolphins, sea lions, and actually penguins. Um, and that was out in Hawaii. So, okay, um, wait a moment. <laughs> I know that's usually the part in the story where people ask me to Hold on a second. What? <laughs> As if this story cannot get any better and my 
Jelly Clarkson level is like a like a ten right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it it was a my parents supported me every step of the way, and I would not be in the position I'm in today without the support of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to them for turning me into this dolphin trainer that I am. They shipped me off to Hawaii for six months. I learned everything fundamental about animal training and really solidified that decision for me that, yep, I'm I'm going to be a dolphin trainer. Like this is what I'm absolutely 100% going to do. Um, and after my internship, I moved back to the mainland and actually got hired in 2010 working at SeaWorld San Antonio in Texas. Oh. And I started my career there in the animal care department. I mean, you are literally living <laughs> all of our 90s girl dreams right now. I, I know Lisa Frank and oh, yes. her her colorful dolphin <laughs> binder folders that we all had. I mean, I um, didn't have that or many of those at all. <laughs> every is, trapper keeper. Every trapper keeper and peachy, <laughs> what were they called? Peachy folders we had in there. You would like draw dolphins on there as well. Absolutely. Like, yes, it was such a dork. Why do you think there is such a fascination with that because obviously you know about the whole way when we were, you know, in the nineties, that's what we wanted to be. What is that obsession that we had during that time? I I think it started, you know, way back with Flipper, the TV show and showing humans kind of the, exactly. We all know the song. We've all seen the episodes and showing that really playful um, side to these animals. And I think it kind of captured the hearts and attention of a lot of people. And now that I work with them, I can see exactly what is so enticing about these animals. Dolphins, bottlenose dolphins in particular, are some of the most diverse personality animals on on planet Earth. I would argue that. Um, I, recent studies have shown that bottlenose dolphins can have as diverse personalities as humans, as wow. far as like from one dolphin to the next. Um, And that is by far my favorite part of my job is getting to know each animal as an individual and how they differ from one another and how they interact with each other and how they interact with us and with our guests and seeing those personalities blossom and turn into, you know, the spunky, playful, um, lively animals that they are is, is absolutely my favorite part. Hey, buddy. favorite. Allison, if I had popcorn right now, all I would be doing is shoving popcorn (laughs) in my mouth saying, yes, Allison, tell me more. Just keep talking and tell me more. I have like a million and one questions for you, but let's go. Okay. So I want to go back to San Antonio SeaWorld. So you get there and you're living all of our dreams. And what, what did you start doing when you first got to SeaWorld in San Antonio? So I started in 2010 as a husbandry assistant. So I was the smelly girl in the feeder booth that sold you your tray of fish to feed the dolphins. That was my job. I heard every joke in the book. Um, It was my, you know, first real paid job as a, you know, a now graduated college student, kind of trying to make it big in the land of marine mammal training. And I watched every day as the trainers went out and trained dolphins and introduced them to guests and cleaned 
exhibits and I just watched from my little window with my cash register and my trays of fish. And I was like, I'm going to do this one day. Like I'm going to do it. And it was about four or five months into that, that I got laid off. (laughs) And I, I laugh about it now. I cried about it. Then (sighs) I thought, this is it. This is the end. I'm going to have to figure out my plan B. Um, and luckily I was able to stay with SeaWorld just in a different department and eventually get back into animal training with my old job. And um, it was another probably eight months or so before I finally got to be an animal care specialist. And I got hired on in the animal care department, hands-on with the animals, getting to finally start the, the beginning of this hopefully long career ahead of me. So how, how long have you been doing this then? Uh, this month will be 12 years. Wow. Yeah. So what kind of work are you doing with the dolphins at SeaWorld? So here in C- at SeaWorld Orlando, um, our dolphin family uh, is comprised of both the dolphin show, so dolphin adventure, mm-hmm. and then also our Um, what we call our dolphin program side. So that includes our Key West Dolphin Cove exhibit and our dolphin nursery exhibit. So we basically care for all things bottlenose. If it's a bottlenose, it's under our umbrella. So we're responsible for the husbandry, which is like the healthcare, um, and also all of the training and guest interactions and the show aspects of SeaWorld Orlando. Okay. I I need you, even if it's like not true in my head. I need you to tell me it is. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to tell me the (laughs) truth. In my head, like dolphins and me, we would be best friends because they seem like the friendliest animals out there. Are they as friendly as I think that they are in my head? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. They, like I said, are are full of personality. Um, our dolphins here with us at SeaWorld, um, will solicit attention from the trainers and the guests. Uh, I fully believe it's something they enjoy and will actively seek out throughout the day. Um, Even if we are just cleaning poolside and we're not necessarily engaging the animals or it may not be time for a guest interaction or a show or a training session, they are still vocalizing or squirting water at us or doing some type of something to get our attention. Um, but out in the ocean, they you don't know what you're swimming into, right? So if you have the chance to see these amazing animals in their natural habitat, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's incredible. But you don't know if you are going into a situation with a mom and a calf where she might be oh. protective. You don't know if you're entering a feeding frenzy where a larger pod of dolphins might be finding prey and actually trying to hunt together. Um, So while they may not intentionally do something, you might be caught up in a situation that is unsafe for both you and the dolphins. Um, So here at SeaWorld, yes, they are vocalizing and trying to get your attention and they're showing off all their fun, cutesy little behaviors and personalities. (laughs) Um, But there is still, they are still big 500 pound animals with with instincts. Um, and so we always, you know, tell our guests, like we know our animals behavior, we're trained to know their behavior and our dolphins are very used to meeting humans and are very, what we, we use the word desensitized, which means they're just accustomed. They're used to, um, meeting guests of all different types of, um, abilities and, and limitations and things like that. So our dolphins are very used to it. They love it. They think it's great. Um, but out in the ocean, you're going to be encountering, um, a slightly different animal in that respect. Okay. 
So my husband, Eric, and I, we have a friend named Rich, and he was telling us a story once on vacation about how he went swimming with the dolphins. He's about 250 pounds, his words, not mine. And he said that the dolphin had like no problem when he was swimming with him. Are they just naturally strong creatures? I mean, they look like they are straight up muscle. They are. They are. They have a, the entire back half of their body that connects their tail to the, the, the backside of the animal is one solid muscle. Um, and it's got a funny name. It's called the peduncle. Um, but it is, it is a, it is a solid muscle. I tell kids it's like their mermaid tail. And with just a few quick pumps of that tail, these dolphins can reach speeds of up to 22 miles per hour. Wow. I know. And they can get up to 15 feet out of the water. So really? if, if you've ever seen our dolphin adventure show yeah. and you see Starbuck, who's our largest male, he's 43 years old, first of all. Second wait, of all, he, wait, yes, 43. <laughs> I'm like in my head going, did she just say 43? I did. Four, three. What? 43 years old. Yeah. But he's, he's our biggest. He weighs almost 700 pounds. And he, wow. with, with what looks like very little effort, can get up and out of the water in a front flip and land it perfectly every time. Holy cow. So what are you, what are you feeding them over there at SeaWorld? Because I mean, <laughs> that seems like a lot. I mean, I see fish. Is that what they eat? Yes. They, their diet mainly consists of fish. How um, much fish are we talking here? Three to 5% of their body weight is a good place to start. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so most of our adults are eating anywhere between like 15 and 20 pounds of food every day. Holy cow. I mean, that's like me on a weekend. <laughs> Just kidding, sort of. So when they're out in the ocean, we were talking about that earlier, and you know, they behave differently. Is there a predator that's looking for dolphins that are like, yes, dolphin right there, like that they are fearful of? Um, for bottlenose dolphins, they, they tend to live in larger groups called pods, um, which can be several to hundreds of dolphins. Um, so they're they're pretty well protected in numbers, um, but there are predators that will seek out the young or the weak or the old. Mm. Um, so you're thinking things like sharks or killer whales. Um, unfortunately, for bottlenose dolphins, their biggest threat is humans at this point. Um, wow. Fishing nets, overfishing, um, and and general interaction from humans to dolphins. Um, like I mentioned, like interrupting breeding patterns or hunting patterns. Um, encroaching on their natural environment. And unfortunately, our trash and our waste and our plastic use has really done um, a number on their natural mm. environment. So how do we do better about that? There's a lot of really easy things. I mean, just simple things like trying to reduce plastic waste. So having a reusable water bottle at work instead of using the plastic cups at the cooler or using reusable shopping bags and not using plastic ones, or if you are going to use the plastic ones, take them back to the store so they can dispose of them properly. Um, if you're beachgoers, if you're visiting, or if you happen to live near the coast, joining local beach cleanups, getting in touch with your local stranding network. Um, they are always looking for volunteers to help with marine mammal strandings. Mm. Um, there's always um, opportunities, especially after holidays, where you can go through even just you and your family. It doesn't have to be a a big production. It can just be you and your family going out after these holidays to the local hotspots um, by lakes and rivers and coastlines and pick up 
bottles and plastic and garbage um, and making sure that those items are properly disposed of so they don't end up in the ocean or worse inside of an animal like a dolphin. My goodness, that like absolutely makes me want to stop everything and get involved because now I feel like super protective, like "Mm, pick up your trash, recycle, do all the things. Well, and that's what SeaWorld's all about. We want you to come to the park and have a good time, but we want you to have a connection with these animals. We want to introduce you to them, like I said, as the individuals that they are so that you develop that that protectiveness. That's a good thing. We want to be ambassadors for their species out in the open ocean um, and having that feeling of um, protection and wanting to be that advocate for them is what's going to continue to save the species and, and frankly, the oceans in general um, for many, many generations to come. I love what you said about having that connection that like kind of speaks to my heart. What is it in your heart that you just like love about working with dolphins? Oh my goodness. I have so many stories about incredibly special guests that I've gotten to meet um, throughout my career I've, I've been mainly involved in the interaction side, the guest side of dolphin training. And there have been guests um, that have taken money out of their 401ks to come to the park and give the gift of a dolphin swim to their best friend um, who had cancer. And I, I was so thankful they waited until after their program was finished to tell me this information because I'm not sure emotionally I would have been able to <laughs> provide that interaction for them because it was so touching. They were visiting. Aww. She stopped me after the program. She's like, I just wanted to thank you. Um, the other couple that was with me is my best friend. She has cancer. I took money out of my 401k to bring her here and do this dolphin interaction because they're her favorite animal. That's so awesome. As and a cancer survivor, like that hits me even harder. I love it that. It is incredible. This, the, the, the human connection and the animal connection and the way humans connect to animals is, mm. is why I do this. So Allison, hypothetically, say there was like a middle-aged mom of two girls and she <laughs> wanted to become an animal care specialist at SeaWorld. Like, what does it take? Okay, maybe I was talking about me, but let's say it's a young college <laughs> age, you know, girl or boy, and they are just thinking, I want to be an animal care specialist. What does it take to become one? I mean, I know your path was a little different that you had said in the beginning, but what would be a normal path, if you will? Norm- normal. There is, there's, I find there's no such thing as normal anymore, but <laughs> right. what looking back, what I found to be the most helpful things for me embarking on this career, um, being a good swimmer and being comfortable in the water. There is a swim test um, when you are applying to work with marine mammals um, that you have to pass in order to get interviewed. It can be very stressful and very intimidating, but I promise it's all mental. Um, the so skills floaties are, are a no. Floaties, unfortunately, <laughs> are a no. I'm out. Um, but the skills can be learned um, and, and there's a wide community of marine mammal trainers that want to help future marine mammal trainers pass their swim tests. So there's yeah. a lot of um, different groups and, and outlets and forums you can get on to ask advice. And we always want to help because we know that that is usually the more nerve wracking part of the hiring process is the swim test. Um, the more you do, the better at them you get. It's nothing to be afraid of. But being comfortable in the water early on will help you Um, with that particular portion of the hiring process in the future. Um, Being scuba certified is often something that gets 
unmentioned, um, but is usually a requirement to get hired. It's not something most companies will do for you. They're going to ask that you already have it um, when you apply for the job. Um, And then having a four-year degree is recommended. It's not always required. You'll just need to read the job description for the the company you're applying for. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, most people are like, oh, are you a marine biologist? And I was like, well, actually my degree is in animal science. I went to an agriculture school. So I did a lot with cows and pigs and chickens and sheep and horses (laughs) and not dolphins at all, but mammals are mammals on the inside. We're all pretty much put together the same way. So I will tell interested applicants to major in something they're interested in because I want them to obviously do well in school. Right. We want you to come out on the other end better and brighter because of your college experience, not majoring in something because you feel like you have to in order to look good on a resume. So I've had supervisors and curators that were um, business majors, they were design majors, and they just found their way into animal training in a kind of roundabout way with animal experience rather than their book work and their coursework from college. So major in something you want to study, you want to do well in. This is a very competitive field. As you can imagine, all of us love our job. um, So we never want to leave. And so when there are job openings, there's usually several hundred applicants at a time. Um, So having animal experience and if you can get paid animal experience before you apply, even better. Um, but having that backup plan, just in case it takes a little while for things to work out in your favor, um, having that backup plan um, is is a smart idea as well. I told my parents I had a backup plan. Spoiler alert, I did not have a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> I love your transparency. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll figure it out if this doesn't work. And in sure. the back of my mind, I was like, there's only one option. <laughs> I've got nothing. Here's my helmet. I've got Woo. nothing. <laughs> Allison, what are some things, maybe like some details about caring for dolphins that we don't know that you do, that we just think it's here's some fish and (laughs) scratch their tummies or backs or whatever. Exactly. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, how fun is it to just play with dolphins all day? And I'm like, that's a very small portion of my day. But yes, that part is very, (laughs) very fun. Um, I think what I, I want people to know most is that everything our dolphins do has a purpose. If it's a front flip or a back breach or a blood draw or an ultrasound, all of the behaviors that we're training our animals serves a purpose, whether it's mental stimulation, maybe we're training more complex behaviors, or we're asking them to put behaviors together. That's a mental exercise. Um, It could be for physical stimulation. So we're, you know, from an exercise standpoint, we want to train fast swims or, or um, high, higher jumps and want them to work their bodies. That's important for staying healthy. Mind and body health is important for the longevity of, of any living being, really. And then we have those husbandry behaviors. And I've used the word husbandry before. It essentially just means healthcare or things that help us take care of the animals. And that is the foundation of every animal's training are those husbandry behaviors. And it can be simple things like um, asking our dolphins to lay 
sideways so that their eye is above the surface of the water so that we can administer eye drops and asking them to sit still in the because if you can imagine putting eye drops on an animal that lives in water (laughs) where there's waves (laughs) (laughs) I always think about Rachel from Friends and her eye drops and right (laughs) you know our dolphins are so much better at it but you know it's it's all through operant conditioning and positive reinforcement we take complex behaviors and we break them down into really small steps similar to the way children learn to read you didn't pick up a chapter book and start reading a you know, a hundred page book, you started with the ABCs. You learned your letters, then you made small words, two, three, four letter words. And then you started making sentences and then sentences turned into paragraphs and then paragraphs turned into books. You didn't, you don't run the mile right away. So with our dolphins, we break it down the same way. We take these complex behaviors and we just start with a really small portion of it. And we draw a lot of attention to the times the animal does it correctly or, or understands the step that we're trying to train them. And we, we, we throw a huge party for them. We will use things like toys. We will use um, things we know that particular animal likes, which could be ice or even jello, um, believe what? it or not. They I know like a lot ice of our, and jello? Not all of them. That's what's important yeah. is to know which ones do and which ones don't. Um, some of them will just spat it out if they don't like it. Others, you could just give them a whole bucket of ice and they'll just, <laughs> they make the cutest sound when they eat ice too. It's my favorite sound in the whole wide world. Were you going um, to reenact that right now for us? Which, <laughs> I, I, I can. It would not be as cute, but it's <laughs> it's a very high pitched sort of squeal sound and then the munching of the ice oh, uh, paired with that. And it's it should be my ringtone, but oh, um, that would be a good ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's an amazing process of trust, and um, we build slowly upon each step, almost like the rungs of a ladder, until you have those final behaviors. And some of those more complex husbandry behaviors, like blood draws, where our veterinarians will come out and actually draw blood. And from a dolphin, we will use their tail flukes. Um, those tail flukes are vascular, meaning that they have blood vessels running through them and they're close to the surface. So they're easy to access similar to the blood vessels on our arms. So like when we go to the doctor, you hold your arm out, the doctor comes in, um, you know, you kind of close your eyes and clench your fist and they poke the, the vein that runs kind of through your elbow for a bottlenose dolphin. We use the vein that runs through their tail. Um, and like I said, because we practice this every single day with them, the times the vet does have to stick and draw blood, it's no big deal because we've been practicing yeah. it every single day. Um, and it's one of the most important behaviors that we maintain. And because our animals actively participate in their healthcare like this, we are able to do physicals on these animals two, three, four times a year. And because we know these animals so well and their personalities and what is normal for each individual animal, the trainers can identify when things are different or when things seem off, kind of like you and your kids. Right. Um, you know their behavior and what's normal. And when it's not normal, you're like, mm, we need to call the doctor. Right. And we do the same thing. I'm not a veterinarian. We have a team of, I mean, absolutely incredible veterinarians here at Sea Order Orlando. Um, those women work so hard and they are so good at their jobs and they're so compassionate to the trainers and the animals, um, it's it's truly an honor to work alongside them. But they will come out at the drop of a hat to come check out a dolphin because a trainer said that it was it it was a little bit different. Um, and we can get that blood sample. That blood sample will tell us so much about what's going on on the inside of that dolphin. Um, and if there needs to be any follow ups or further care or further procedures, um, our veterinarians will let us know right away. Wow, 
So am I correct in saying, because I feel like I did retain this information from school, dolphins are mammals, right? Cor- correct. Fish get their oxygen from the water that they live in. And I'll be the first to admit I am not an aquarist. So that's as much as I'm going to say about fish. <laughs> but mammals, they get their air or their oxygen from the air around them. So there's a misnomer out there that when dolphins come to the surface to breathe, that they spray water out of their blowhole. Um, and that's not true. It's actually just air coming out of their blowhole. Ah. The the spray that you're seeing is just the water because they're exhaling as they surface. So that spray is just the water that's on that's kind of covering their head at the moment. And then they exhale all that away so that when they inhale, they're getting a nice dry breath of air. That's cool. You yeah. mentioned earlier bottleneck dolphins, right? Is that what they're called? Bot- bottlenose. Bottlenose. Bottleneck. <laughs> <laughs> it's practically the same thing. Okay. In my head, it was. <laughs> Bottlenosed dolphins. Correct. How many different types of dolphins are there? We don't actually know for sure. It's estimated to be about 38 species of dolphins, with the killer whale being the largest member of the dolphin species. Wait. Or the dolphin family. Yeah. Killer whales are the largest dolphin. Really? Really. It's like every time I do, every time I talk to someone from SeaWorld, it's like my brain just goes, like, I didn't know that. (laughs) I had no idea. I learned something every single episode. It's crazy. Really? So yeah, so all, not all whales are dolphins, but all dolphins are whales. So whale is kind of, so cetacean means whales and dolphins. That's kind of a big umbrella that includes like baleen whales and tooth whales. And then within the tooth whales, you have whales like beluga whales. And then you have dolphins, which are bottlenose dolphins, um, commerce and dolphins. If you go to Aquatica, you can see those. Um, and then the killer whale, the orca, being the, the largest member of that dolphin family. It, it's like my mind is just like, it's like processing all of this. <laughs> Earlier when you were talking about, is it Starbuck who is 43 years old? Yes. Is that normal to be that old as a dolphin? Like how old did they live for? We're really spoiled in our industry because we see them live well into their 20s, 30s, 40s, and even 50s um, in the care of man. And that's because of what I said about actively participating in their healthcare. We're able to um, maintain that that high level of of healthcare all day, every day. Um, Out in the ocean, their natural lifespan is going to be 15 to 20 years old. You might see a lot of dolphins in their teens, but you're you're probably not going to see as many in their 20s to 30s. Okay. Um, but in the care of man, um, I, I would fully expect you to, to meet several animals in their late 20s, 30s, 40s, and potentially even 50s. Do you notice, I mean, obviously, I was going to say, do you notice any difference between obviously the younger ones and the older ones? Yes, of course, you're going to notice a difference. But are there many differences that you would notice as a dolphin is becoming that old? say in that prime age of 43, like Starbucks? <laughs> um, if you came poolside with me at Dolphin Adventure, um, you would not be able to tell me which one was 43 and which one was 12. Really? Um, no, they, they are all so full of energy and so full of personality. Um, if you didn't know how old they were, I think it would be a, a guessing game for you to say who was who and, and how old they were. Wow. 
So you said when you would come poolside with you, was that like an invitation? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like that's what I heard in there because all I have wanted to do since I was a little girl was swim with dolphins and I've not been able to do that. And I thought maybe we could even just do it there. We could walk across the street. I mean, whatever you see is going to be the best fit for our new, you know, bonding that you, I heard invited me to, right? Cause that's, uh, that's, that's, that's exactly, that, yes, you heard right. Okay. Do you have one, I mean, I know you shared such a great story earlier, um, about the friend, um, who had the breast cancer and what, you know, what a beautiful gift that was to have her swim with the dolphins. Um, do you have one story maybe that just sticks out or a memory of your favorite dolphin or a favorite dolphin situation? I would love to hear it. I have so many. Um, there's so many guest stories of, um, there, there was a family, um, that visited me in San Antonio. They, had come poolside to meet one of the dolphins and the dolphin that I had at the time, his name was Brady. Um, and the father stayed across the pool to take photos. So it was just, um, the mom and I believe son, this was a number of years ago. So son or daughter, um, who was probably five or six years old. Um, so a toddler and I introduced myself. I said, today you're going to be meeting Brady. And the mom looked across the pool at the dad and said, Brady. And I was like, oh, have you guys met Brady before? And she was like, no, no. And then her, um, her son was like, oh, Brady was the name of my brother that was born sleeping. And at that moment in time, I asked Brady Dolphin to just slide up on the wall and I let this family just love on Brady for the entire duration of the time we were in session. Oh and the father stayed on the other side and took pictures. And I don't know how many words we spoke to each other during that interaction. It was very few. And when it was time to say goodbye, I thanked them for coming and visiting. And um, I went back to my team and told them, the experience I just had. And I think we all stood there for about 10 minutes and just looked at each other and, and really just sort of felt the importance of what we do and allowing families to experience these animals with us, however it connects to them. And what is that, right now? I'm, that story mess. will stay with me forever. Oh my goodness. That is such an amazing story. Oh, I, what is it about you SeaWorld people? <laughs> you know, when we talked to Maggie a few episodes ago, she was telling stories and I'm like sitting over here boohooing Oprah Ugly Cry like right now, like, oh my goodness, that story is amazing. And that you said you have so many stories like that. Is exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Wow. It. Every single day I am reminded why I chose this job and how so much bigger it is than just me. It is, it's inspiring little boys and little girls to pursue animal conservation and it's bringing families together for reunions that haven't been together in years because of whatever reason. And then they chose us to make mm -hmm. that moment happen. And, and I'm always so privileged and honored to be a very small part of whatever it is that that family is experiencing. And the fact that I can include um, 
my animals in that moment and just make it that much more special for them and memorable. Um, I think is, is we always say, okay, let's go make some memories. And, and we say it every day, but you get those memories that, that just remind you of what it truly means to say, okay, team, let's go make some memories. Um, and that's, that's what it's all about. All the chill bumps right now. <laughs> Allison, is there, I know there's a million, but if you could pick one, like one thing you want people to know about SeaWorld's animal care, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Just one. Um, in, in the 12 years I've spent at SeaWorld, both in San Antonio and in Orlando, the trainers are here for the animals. We are professionals in our career fields. We are dedicated 100% to every animal that's at our park. Whether it's a weekend, a weeknight, an overnight, a holiday, your birthday, a loved one's birthday, we are here for the animals. Um, the, the veterinary team, the, the management team that we have, they're all here for the same reason. And it's, it's to be here for these animals. Our quality of work is their quality of life. Mm -hmm. And every single person I've ever worked with is here for that reason. And they take it very seriously. Um, Allison, when we were talking earlier about cleaning up beaches after holidays and, and whatnot, so say, you know, say people listening to the show right now, to this podcast, don't have easy access to a beach. How else can guests at home maybe make an impact to help the dolphins? Yeah, sometimes it's just as simple as spreading awareness to your friends and family. Um, you know, if your neighbor's going on vacation, remind them of the Marine Mammal Protection Act. Have them look it up. Tell them about it. The best thing we can do for animals in the wild is to keep them wild and and try to keep as much of our human influence away from them, whether it's following, interacting with, approaching, trying to feed, or leaving behind our garbage and our trash. Um, if you're landlocked in the middle of the U.S., recycle the plastic bottle. Um, grab your reusable bag. Pick up someone else's trash that, that they may have left behind. Those are such simple, small actions that we can do um, that when added together makes such a huge impact everywhere for all animals, not just those that live in, in the ocean. I love that. Allison, we always end on the same question every episode. So I want to ask you, what is the best thing you have seen in the world? The best thing I've seen in the world has to be humans accepting humans and humans helping humans. We are the only ones on this planet. And when I see humanity do good things for humanity, it really just warms my heart. Um, it's such an easy thing to do, accept everyone and do good things for them. Allison, I thought that I already loved you when I first met you, <laughs> but now like I super extra, super sized love you. <laughs> well, thank you. Allison, thank you. This has been so super interesting. I learned something. I hope you did too. Um, not you because you taught me everything, Allison, but <laughs> I had such a fantastic time. 
talking to Allison about dolphins today. I'm sorry. I think I'm in like one of those punny moods today. I'm Sydney Simmons and make sure to join us on the next See the World where you're going to get taken on a virtual thrill ride. We're going to do it together as we get an inside look on how SeaWorld has created some of the great thrill rides in America. As always, make sure you go to SeaWorld.com, select your favorite park to stay in the loop on all of the great things that's happening at SeaWorld. And lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you subscribed, left a review, and then shared this podcast with all of your wonderful friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Perfect. Um, Ansley doesn't know the EEE, so I'll just keep him here and just slide out.